Hello. Hello. Why are you upside down? Because I am a bat. Sean French is going to make it because he's an old man in a young man's body, but he was also at Gen Con, and he didn't win anything anyway, and he also stayed at a hotel that was, like, miserably far away from the, ho- from the event site, so I'll summarize Sean French's experience at Gen Con. Well, you know, my friends, we just got this hotel, and it was near the, it was just near the, like, goddamn airport, and I had to drive back and forth every day, and it just fucking sucked. Thanks, Sean. Yep. Good story. <laughs> he went with some, like, Rona grinders, didn't he? Yeah, he went up with uh, some some Star City people, I think, and um, I believe he had an opportunity to get a room on site, but planned poorly. And when you when you fail to plan, you plan to fail, and thus he had to take the thirty minute back and forth, and he had to coordinate that ride every night, which I think made it made him actually want to die. I know several nights he considered actually sleeping on my floor versus this versus dealing with all this crap. The agenda was just going to be sort of review our Gen Con experience, and then maybe. Um, I guess you played in a s- local Legacy 1K. I don't actually know that you actually did well. Uh, yeah, not. I got to the quarters. Okay. That's I funny. scrubbed O2'd. All right. And, but, uh, but then got a chance to play a lot of vintage uh, drinking beer with the Texans. Yeah. We played yeah. over 30, 30 games of the Eldrazi versus Shops pseudo mirror. Oh, well, perhaps you'll have some input on that because I couldn't possibly put myself in the pain of playing 30 shop Eldrazi mirrors. I would have to be subdued with alcohol or other tranquilizers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, short story is it's a coin flip. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, welcome to Tusk Talk. This is uh, episode 11, I believe. Uh, we were originally going to do uh, a Gen Con addendum in the last Tusk Talk. Um, but we got sidetracked on creature types, and the discussion on Aurochs went a little long. So Gen Con uh, slid off the table. But the positive for that is that we are joined by Tusk ally, Greedy Mike, uh, a legacy and vintage aficionado from the Seattle area. Yeah. Hello, Hi, thanks. thanks for having me on this premium of podcasts. And uh, <laughs> we are also joined by Tusk Greg Mitchell, who is the only Tusk who will not be appearing at the Tusk Fitational. I'm sad about that. That thing was <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, we can talk about the Tuspitational. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll touch on that later as we um as you're a proud new homeowner, but uh you have the shame of being alone in Seattle while Casey gets his BAC up to nine and falls face down in a pile of dredge cards. Or me, one of the two. Yeah, one of the two. So. Uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about Gen Con 2016, and uh, for those of you who are uninitiated to Gen Con, Gen Con is, a, I believe, the second or third largest dedicated game convention in the world. It's held in Indianapolis. It is the former home of Vintage and Legacy Champs. 
Um, it is now mostly the home of spending money on food, uh, drinking, and going absolutely bonkers in the dealer room. It still hosts, I would argue it hosts the most diverse, best place to buy Magic cards. I mean, GPs are okay too, don't get me wrong, but I feel like Gen Con has a deeper pool of vendors. There's probably more competition between the vendors. So that's another part of Gen Con. Uh, and then the final thing was they offered four vintage events this year, all of which offered the opportunity to win buys for vintage champs for those fortunate enough to go 5-0. There were also legacy uh, there are also legacy qualifiers for legacy champs, and if you went 5-0 in those, you could uh, get some buys for legacy. I didn't play any of the legacy. Did you play any legacy ones, Mike? No, I didn't. Good. So we don't have to talk about them. Um, so it's an opportunity to win buys for champs, and I, I know that um, there are also opportunities to win buys for champs at certain GPs, like uh, Grand Prix Louisville next week, or in two weeks, I believe, in... Uh, yeah. So it turns out GP Louisville is, is, in fact, held in Louisville. There are buys available there and maybe one other tournament. Anyway, it's kind of arbitrary where the where the buys are being given out. But As someone who, who wasn't able to make it to Gen Con, I'm pretty fucking pissed about those buys. I think last year at Vintage Champs we saw, what, two out of eight of the top eight had buys? Yes. Huge, huge advantage. Yeah, last year was worse, though, too. Didn't they give out two buys for the... For like a five zero, as opposed to just the one this time. Correct. Yeah. So this year you could you could earn one buy per five zero up to a max of two rounds of buys. Um, and whereas last year it it was even worse because they were first of all last year was not competitive REL, no deck lists, and you only had to go four zero, and you got two buys on in Vintage Champs turned out to be nine rounds. That's absurd. Yeah, it turned no, out to be nine rounds. It was, it was ten rounds. Was, oh, and Legacy was that year. Was that right? Okay, it was 10 rounds. Okay. So, um, and I believe Paul Mastriano, who I witnessed win buys at Gen Con, uh, was one of the top eight competitors, and then somebody else had buys who made the top eight as well. It's just a huge advantage. Anytime that you introduce buys into a tournament, uh, I think it really degrades the tournament quality in, the, in favor of, like, story, for whatever that's worth. And what story are you getting out of players going to Gen Con? Well, you're about to find out. Uh, <laughs> because in Mike's case, Mike, I guess you want to start since uh, I believe you played the maximum amount of magic for the minimum amount of reward. <laughs> yes, I played in... Well, I played in the three of the events and uh, barely lost out on getting at least one buy going 4-1 the first uh, Thursday night. And uh, what, did you, what did you play on Thursday? I played White Aldrazi each event. Oh, that's right. You never got off the white horse. I, I did bring Mentor with me, but I could not get myself to gush. What, um, I know, yeah, sorry, so Thursday was very competitive. Maybe, I don't know if you have any notes or thoughts, but um, what were your matchups on Thursday? Do you remember? So I got the mirror round one. I'm trying to think. Um, played against some mode control round four. Um, like, Rug, De Rug Delver kind of, like, almost pre-Treasure Cruise kind of list with, like, main deck Trigon Predator and, and like, which paired perfectly with my Thought Not Seers. Like, Trigon Predator racing a Thought Not Seer was beautiful to stare at. Yeah, it's basically a Windrake in that match matchup. So you, you lost in the fifth and final round of that. 
Um, yeah, to, to like a Jeskai mentor deck with a lot of Planeswalkers. There was Dak Faden's, Baby Jace, Jace the Mind Sculptors, and then one Narset, two even. I believe that was John Grudzina and his Planeswalker fetish uh, come to bear on you. John yeah. top-aided Vintage Tamps last year with a similar style deck, probably more Dig Through Times, but um, I also played him last year at Gen Con Grinders, which I, he may have actually got had buys as well, um, and he was on a similar style control deck, uh, American Control. I remember being shocked last year that deck like won a match, so... He must be a pretty good player to win with stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, Michael just blame it on bad beats because he had Black Lotus, right? Yeah, he. I won game one and then he had turned one Black Lotus game two and three. <laughs> Can't oh, be luck. Like wrong strategy. No, and then I, I I played him on the Saturday event too, and he had I I think I beat him game one again, and then he had turn one recall, turn one Lotus or something like that. The next two games. Well, do you play? Did you play the card Black Lotus in your White Eldrazi deck? I did. How many I didn't draw it much. Yeah. Well, I you know I, I think the um, I think the taste of getting to the last round probably tainted the rest of your your uh, your tournament entry for the remainder of the weekend because you just you kept thinking you could get back there and win that last match, huh? I did. I did. Oh. And then I was promptly wrecked by Vintage. Yeah, I played on the so I'll I'll go event for event with you. I didn't play Friday. I played Thursday and Saturday. Thursday I played Dark Depths, uh, Bug Dark Depths. Um, I thought there would be a traditionally at Gen Con there's been Oath, and there actually has been a lot of shops. I guess not as much shops this year, but as you probably found out after the first day, there was a fucking metric shit ton of Oath. There was so much Oath there. We uh we got 24 for the Thursday. Is that right? I had this written down. That sounds about right. We had, I think, roughly mid-20s each day, except for I think I didn't actually play in the Sunday event, but I stopped by, and apparently they only had four rounds for that one. Okay. Yeah, so that was another weird thing is they prescribed five rounds even if there was a situation where you would be pared down. Essentially, you didn't need the fifth round according to Pascal's Triangle. Uh, they were still asking you to to play five rounds, um, which was obviously a little weird. I know, I know, for one of the legacy events, they got like this is giving away buys for champs. But they got like nine people. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, but they're playing legacy. <laughs> yeah, but they're they're wanting these people to play five rounds with n- nine people. It's like, come on, man. So I believe they also begged their way into a couple a four round legacy, um, which makes sense. I mean, it's it's silly to have. Uh, a two-loss person paired against the undefeated. And the undefeated person basically is just begging them to scoop since they have nothing to play for. Uh, and it becomes sort of silly, uh, I think, anyway. Um, so this, you know, you could argue that their whole the whole concept behind this, this uh, particular way of handing out buys is flawed anyway, right? You've got... Um, you're not really running a real... Top eight, your uh, at least this year it was competitive REL, and they did make us turn in deck lists. Whereas last year, it wasn't competitive REL. People were like, were like triggering oath during their upkeep by making orchard tokens, and like really bad stuff like that was happening. And those people like beat people. Sean French last year lost to a kid on oath who untapped with no creatures, tapped uh, 
Forbidden Orchard in a time period which doesn't no longer exists in Magic in between turns, created a token, got the judge convinced that he could then trigger Oath and wreck Sean French's face all the while. Every single vintage player around this child saying this is not how Oath works and the judge not caring. So, you sure that that stuff doesn't exist? I think Undiscovered Paradise would have to disagree with you. So in between turns, well, there used to be a play where you could tap a city of brass in between turns, which would create a damage prevention step, which would then allow you to cast something like Alabaster Potion for a million X, which would then allow you to mana drain that Alabaster Potion, untap your lands, and go to your first main with double mana. How does that sound? Skill game. Okay, so that definitely isn't allowed. But Undiscovered Paradise is pretty weird. It sets up a, a thing that just happens. It never goes in the stack as part of the untap step. Well, things can replace the unstep step, right? We have stasis. We have uh, eat. Is it? Um, we're getting way, way into left field here, but we have stasis, which replaces the untap step, and we also have a favorite of mine, sands of time. A oh, card sands of time. Yeah. There's a local who has block decks, so he has winning decks from every block. Did he have uh, Randy Bueller's winning PTQ deck that beat me and caused me to lose a Pro Tour slot? Yeah, he does. What a fucker. <laughs> and the Sands of Time Equipose deck is awesome. Do you want my mono blacklist so you can reenact my, my greatest failure? Uh, he might have it. <laughs> or it might just not have been good enough. My deck was the nut. I had the best deck in the room that day. But anyway, moving forward and getting, getting on with my life. Um... For this 20-something man, 20, I think it was 24 person, I'm looking, I took pictures of the, uh, um, I took pictures of all of the uh, pairing sheets for all of these events, and um, so August 6th was the Saturday one, we had 24 for the Saturday one, and then on the, on the f 4th we had 24, so I played, uh, I played Hex Steps on Thursday. I started off 2-0. I crushed Oath. So I figured there'd be a lot of Oath, and I figured there'd be a lot of Dark Depths, or sorry, uh, Dredge and Shops. So a deck with four Abrupt Decays seemed reasonable against Oath. Um, and the Oath decks can't meaningfully interact with uh, a Merit Lage token if you kind of get it out fast enough, and it just ends the game. Sometimes they can't even produce a profitable block, right? Like... It actually can deal with them. And I played four Thoughtseize. I was sometimes I play four Mental Missteps in Dark Depths, but I played Thoughtseize, thinking it, it's okay on the shop uh, on the Flavor Shops. And I played two Libraries, Hex Mages, Bobs, um, J Baby Jace, which is the sort of the reason to the reason to splash blue is like Baby Jace and then the busted blue cards. Played Consultation, Demonic, Vampiric, Gentleman's Null Rod, and the only thing really interesting in that list was I played uh, two Living Wish. So you're telling me you got to buy with a deck playing Living Wish in Vintage? No. What I'm about to tell you is that I started off 2-0. I beat uh, Oath and I beat Shops. Uh, but then I lost to, uh, I guess, American Mentor. Um, and what I realized was that the... And I hadn't really kept up with the latest in Gush Mentor technology because the deck makes me want to put my ball sack in a vice and squeeze it is that he essentially could go up to four swords and two paths after board, so... Yeah, he really is warping all these decks. Right, so he's trying to fight Eldrazi, and thus has... That's six... be good against your Dark Depths. Yeah, exactly, Merit Lage. Not great against six plow effects, so... 
And then I'm burning sideboard slots on stuff like forest and uh, you know living wish targets that just have no text against this this strategy. So I ended up losing to him. Neither game was really really close. But that that event showed how much fucking oath there was. I th I counted five oath decks out of twenty uh, twenty four, which is insane, right? Like especially. Yeah. You know. It seems like Oath is always uh, more represented in paper than it is online. And at Vintage Champs, I was surprised to see Oath go deep uh, in the tournament. So do you think your experience from Gen Con will reflect in Vintage Champs this year? I don't know what Oath was as a percentage of the field last year at Champs, but I think it's tough for us to talk about the field last year because it was so bowed over on Chops. It's probably a useless exercise for us to go look at, oh, you know, there was... 10% Oath last year. I think Jayco did a full breakdown of champs last year, right? But we were in a world with four chalices and four golems, so that everything kind of bent around shops last year. Yeah, that's true, but is that any more more the case than it is bent around shops in Eldrazi now? I think there's people who just always play non-blue. There's people who always play Oath. Yeah, I, mean, I guess I, that's true. But, but, I mean, even last year, there were people that generally played blue that were rocking shops. Um, people like Rich Shea or what, whatnot that were converted to Lord Mishra. And they, those, some of those people also had buys. I think, I think even if you were on the fence, uh, but if I told you you can go get two buys and take some variants out of the shops game, that that had to. If you were on the fence, that would certainly push you over. At least last year, I would, I would think so, right? Erasing the possibility of two bad shop hands. What's that? There's people who won't play shops because of personal reasons. And I, I think it's a lot of vintage players. Yeah, I agree with you. Even actually getting workshops. Some people just don't have a place at workshops. Oh, good point. Yeah, last year they shot up to, what, $1,000 each or something? I think on the floor they were like $1,000, yeah. Yeah, it's a good card. Taps for three. Um... But anyway, I, you know, Oath is a decent answer, I suppose, to any deck that wants to windmill a two-drop creature in the blind. Um, so, you know, I guess if you perceive that Eldrazi is one of the decks to beat or a Tier 1 deck, which it probably is, then Oath is a reasonable response. I definitely think in paper, a lot of people have Oath as a pet deck. I even see the same, same actual human beings, same social security numbers playing Oath over and over and over again at Gen Con and at Champs every year. Yeah, that yeah, does make sense. A lot of people ju that just naturally play Oath. And I don't know. I don't think Oath is actually that good of an answer to win Eldrazi. I mean, I played against it once, and game one had two uncounterable containment priests and an Eldrazi displacer. Yeah, that seems miserable. Um, I I hate Oath as an archetype because I don't. I think it's dumb, and... Um, I just it reminds me of Legacy Show and Tell, and I also yeah. hate the mana base. I feel like it's got the worst mana base in Vintage. It's an inconsistent pile of shit, is what you're trying to say. It's a deck that if you had four brainstorms would be spe spectacular, but I mean there are a lot of other decks that would probably be spectacular with four brainstorms. But the number of sort of uh, incongruent parts that you can get in an Oath hand are pretty savage, and then and then throw in the fact that its mana base is just complete dog shit, and I don't think I could I could ever bring myself to play it. And now the hate is just, you know, the hate the hate cards have gone from from okay to just insane now. Oh yeah, 
I've gotten excited by almost every variant of Oath. I've put Oath by itself. I've put Oath with Show and Tell. Uh, give some given. Thirst for Knowledge. Gush. They all suck. Because, like, Forbidden Orchard is just such a bad card when you're trying to do anything but play Oath. Yeah, and it, it even pairs poorly with, like, the second best card in the deck, Jace the Mind Sculptor. Like, you know, yeah. he becomes uncastable when there's three spirits. Um, and also the rise of Drog Scale Captain means that all of my spirits that you're giving me are now two twos with Hexproof. It's a Drog Skull Captain, actually. It, does he use Drog Skull? There's also now a Judge Familiar Spirit that I was playing with the other day that actually is a bigger force spike if you control more spirits. Yeah, that one's cool. I saw... Mike, did you send me that list? It was, uh, what, Paul... The Blue White Spirits list? Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty that cool. That looked like a pile. <laughs> yeah, it sure did. Does it have, yeah. like, five or six Nullrod effects after board? I think it was playing both Nullrod and Sony Sentinels. That's Now, that's a good deck. Hey, look, it's basically Martyr Frost, right? But for Spirits? Uh... I, Martyr of Frost hits what? <laughs> you don't know Martyr of Frost. What? Have you never followed Greg Hatch? If Greg Hatch sat on my face, I wouldn't know him. What are you? Are you? Is he? Are you some fucking Star City barn now? What? What are you talking about? No, he's just this this person who brews terrible decks and is like tweaking constantly. Martyr of Frost is any spell. Yeah, Mausoleum Wanderer is Sorcery Instant. Yeah. But anyway, um, it's pretty sick that uh, as, as they are actually giving you spirits, your Mausoleum Wanderer is growing. What a fisting. So yet another reason not to play Oath, Tribal Spirits. Um, I was actually trying to look up and see what the percentage of Oath was uh, last year, and I actually found it. There were 35 Oath decks um, in the metagame report last year in the top 128. Um, so That's about a fourth. Yeah. So that's that's a decent amount of the field. I mean, one thing I will say is, if you know nothing, it it's a fairly easy deck to pick up because you can just chimp some games by casting Oath, uh, or you're on the draw, they cast a dude, and you just cast Oath, and you just win game one with probably less... It's uh, probably less uh, user error prone than something like, let's say, Dredge, that also wins a high percentage of game ones, but... Yeah, dredge is pretty hard to play. Uh, there's a lot of triggers you can miss, and Cyborging is tough. Yeah, and I just mean out of the blue, if I had 10 minutes to prep a random modern idiot on how to play Vintage, it would be tougher for him to pick up Dredge than it would be to pick up something like Oath, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, right. so let's compare that almost a fourth of the field to 4% of the Magic Online meta currently. Is and Oath. you're saying that Oath was, what, maybe a fourth of the field at Gen Con? Yeah, uh, it was, uh, there were five on Thursday and four four on Saturday. So there was, there was something like five or six on Friday, I think, too. Yeah. I uh, I then scrapped the Dark Depths. Uh, I was going to play a different deck probably anyway, but it certainly became clear that if all of the Mentor decks were playing six spot removal, that I could not win. And it also appeared that there was a reasonable amount of, if I just took Shops and Eldrazi and lumped them into Thorn decks, which I think... It serves some purpose that I could play a deck with a lot of creatures and ignore most of the old thalias and ignore all of the thorns. So I put together a 28-creature 
Bant deck, um, and just main deck three Containment Priests and three Pride Mages, and decided that I would play against Oath every round, and um, beat Oath three times in five rounds on <laughs> Saturday. <laughs> um so I guess I'll, I'll go through my 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 Saturday. Well, you, talk about your Friday. So you so so you saw the field and you decided to run back Eldrazi. What was your what was your rationale there? The amount of alcohol you drank on Friday or, or on Thursday, or did you actually feel like it was close and thus I should play it again? I th- I thought it was close. I thought I should play it again. I absolutely destroyed everyone in the first four rounds, pretty much. Um, so I remembered I played against an, an Esper mentor deck. Didn't draw mentor ever. Right, I was unable to cast it, so I just destroyed them. Um, the young pyromancer uh, or rug delver matchup was close. He actually had to leave, so I got a free win off that. And then um, I played against like a blue white control deck with moat that never saw moat, so I won. And I just felt like that the thought not seer was amazing. I stole two balances on Thursday, um, right from their hand. Uh, Smasher was always good. Um, I just felt I lost a little bit to Vintage, just getting turn one Black Lotus. Um, so then on Friday, I just ran back the same 75. Um, that's Round one is when I destroyed Oath with Game 1, two Uncountable Containment Priests and a Displacer, and then Game 2 I curved out, and he was at 4 by the time he got a Gross of Baron in play, and I believed it with Displacer and 1. Um, then round two, I got paired against the. It was like a Steel City Vault style deck. I played um, that guy on. I ended up playing him on Saturday. He, he posted yeah. his list to the manager, and I think. Yeah. yeah, he was the guy that actually won it on Friday. Um, <clears throat> so game one, I lock him out pretty quickly. Um, game two, I definitely made a misplay. I. Could have had turn two Thought Not Seer on the draw, but instead drew a cavern that turn and decided to wait one turn to make it uncounterable, and then he vault keyed me before I could play it. And then he made 20 goblins, game three. Yeah, it's almost like against those decks, he literally has to have the card Force of Will. So, you know, like, all of his other bullshit counters are either sided out or just don't do anything to stop Thought Not Seer anyway. Right, exactly. It's... You kind of want them to... Like, it's okay if they force the will your threat. Like, that's just kind of how these Thorn decks have to play, is, you know, if they have forcible blue card, that's not Vault Key or not, you know, some other Tinker or whatever. You know, so it's okay to get your Thought Not Seer countered, I just... Because it has to be force of will. Right, basically. Well, and it takes two cards out of their hands. Like, if there are two cards... You know, if he has forcible blue card and Vault Key... Great. Uh, there's absolutely nothing I could do. Whatever. But, you know, chances are if he has Force Blue card, then he doesn't have a powerful combo or vice versa. Right. So it's just... I, That's a bit different from how shops used to play, though. So I, th- I think that's really a, a testament to this plan of just play dudes until your t- opponent falls over, which has never really been a strategy in Vintage, but these Eldrazi are just so powerful. I mean, it was a strategy literally 15 years ago, but it hasn't been for a very, very long time. I mean, the the there were Beats decks and Zoo decks that used to dominate in the first, like, five years of Vintage, and they were just piles of dudes and, like, you know, disenchant your moat and kill you with a Curd Ape, a Factory, and a Savannah Line or whatever. But Yeah, the original Swampy deck, just Berserk, right? Berserk and dudes. 
Well, the original, uh, there was a Pro Tour where you could play Vintage in Dallas, and that was actually won by basically a zoo deck, for lack of a better term. I mean, it had, it splashed for other stuff, but at the end of the day, it had, like, a bunch of Vices to beat all the Necro decks, and then a bunch of Burn, and a bunch of fucking dudes, and, like, actual Savannah Lion, and actual Gorilla Shaman, and, like, but that's the last time I can remember a real beatdown. Even, even Null Rod decks, I mean, there were some, some Null Rod decks that were beat beatdown decks, probably the only one... You had Suicide Black, which used to be tier two-ish, one one and a half-ish, was pretty good before the card draw got so out of control. But it used to be able to keep up on the back of like him and Duress and Null Rod and there. You're gonna laugh at me, but like there was a time Phyrexian Negator had text and just having a five-five for three was fine. It ended. Are you talking about the deck where Nantuko Shade was worth money? Yes. Yes, it was worth money. I mean, it harkens actually. You can draw a lot out of that deck into this Eldrazi deck. I mean, you had a you had an undercosted five five. You have like hand disruption in the form of like him and duress, and then you just literally played creatures until they fell over because you know, and you didn't have as many spheres, but you had like Nether Void, right? So yeah, it's funny. And now you have creatures which are thorns. You have creatures which are duresses and. Yeah. Lava actions on a, on a, I don't know, uncounterable, basically. We're going to have a creature that's a fucking Chalice of the Void in a few weeks, too. Yeah, that, that card is insane. Yeah, so so you got your first loss against Steel City Vault, man. Right. Yeah. And then I put against Sean French, who was on Bug Hydra. Yeah. And um, You thorned I mean, him. Yeah. yeah, I thorned him. Wasteland did some underground seas, and then it was game over. Um yeah, the Hydra endgame against Eldrazi Displacer is poor at best. You just keep flashing it back into a uh, blank text box 1-1. One, one. Yes, I, I Krakus bounced at least one Tassiger. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't bring myself to play Assiger. I even, uh, even in my Dark Depths, I wanted a Delve guy that I could Living Wish for. Uh, I think I would rather have Gurmag Angler because it can trade with all the Chimdrazis. Right. Yeah. And yes. then the, the final round, I played the, the mirror again before dropping, and then he turned one new Thalia at me and just destroyed me. Yeah, uh, new Thalia is insane. So Greg can attest to the fact that for me to play an English card is I have to be, it has to be desperate times. Like, I have to be st- just in the desert, bereft of water, walking for miles for me to put an English card in my deck. But Non-alpha, uh, non-beta. Non, yeah, sorry, not alpha, not beta. But so for that, that has been three years since I've seen you play in English. <laughs> Four years, maybe. That isn't a beta or an Arab or an antiquity, yeah. Uh, but for Saturday, after seeing all the Oath and seeing all the Thorn decks, uh, I stooped to a new low and I played two English. Oh, right, pre- let me pre- preface this. So I had a list I wanted to play. I was going to not play Force of Will because there's nothing really in the Gush decks I want to force. Uh, and there's nothing in the Eldrazi decks that I like. I mean, I guess forcing a thought not's fine, but then I have to assume that it's coming down not on a cavern, and I I haven't been thorned out of the game, so I didn't want to play Force of Will. I was just gonna play Mental Missteps and uh, twenty like twenty eight ish creatures, three New Thalia, three Ether Sworn Canis, three Containment Priests, uh, four Noble Hierarchs, which was looking like the best creature ever, um, two Spell Quellers, two Baby Jace three Kwasali Pride Mage, and then a smattering of, like, good dudes, like a, D- uh, a Teague, an Edric, a uh, Trigon Predator, and a Knight of the Reliquary. If I had found a third Spell Queller... All right, so take a step back. It's Friday. 
and I scour the dealer hall and start buying Russian boxes of Elder Moon to try to get Russian values to play in this deck. So I crack, I buy three $90 boxes of Russian Eldritch Moon. It's a pretty fucking good deal. I wish I could find $90 boxes of Eldritch Moon. Yeah, so, it was a decent deal, but if you if you actually put it into like terms of the playables that I'm going to get out of it, it's actually not a very good deal. I end up with only one Russian Thalia, which is fucking humiliating. I end up with like seven Emrakuls and all this other unplayable fucking garbage, or at least unplayable for Saturday. I do get two Spell Quellers. I wanted three Spell Quellers. And I couldn't, I couldn't get a third one out of the box. I didn't want to play an English spell queller, so I ended up playing a Jermoka, uh, Dragonlord Jermoka, in place of the third spell queller. But anyway, I also played two caverns. So basically, I have humans, and it's almost all humans, with the exception of like the wizards, which are Jace and well, Jace is a human also, but I have some overlap with wizards. So I have three prime mages, and I have uh, Jace. And uh, and then I had these spell quellers that are spirits. So, but I ended up playing two caverns yeah, anyway because the Dragon Lord, Elder, well, he, he's uncounterable anyway. So he has cavern already. He comes out of the cavern. He ended up being basically textless, and he should have been a third spell queller. But anyway, uh, I played that. I played Oath round one, um, and both games were actually flawless victories. He ended the game with no permanence. Uh, the first game, he was low on mana. I wastelanded him. Um, sort of beating the unholy shit out of him with the Containment Priest, which he actually probably couldn't beat game one, and then eventually found out of the Reliquary to find the card Strip Mine to take out his lone remaining permanent, which was a basic island. Game two, uh, he actually had Show and Tell, but he chose to bring in, which I think is a fine plan against a deck full of tutus, he brought in Elishnorn. He showed Elishnorn, I showed Caracas, and <laughs> sent, his, uh, <laughs> sent his dork back to his hand. Then I found Knight of the Reliquary. Then I found Strip Mine. I stripped all of his permanents, and he had uh, nothing in play after I beat the shit out of him. So that was sort of uh, a nondescript matchup against Oath. The second round I played against um, the Steel City Vault guy that you played against. I didn't have Old Thalia, which was definitely a liability against his deck. I did have Aether Sworn Cannonist, though, which at face value you don't think is great against these Steel City decks, but... It does sort of constrain their big turn. He also played... He had Empty the Warrens in his deck, which I haven't necessarily seen main deck in those in those Steel City decks. Maybe it's something that they all play or whatever, but... Um, so he ended up having, like, four... He ended up having to deal... Force, force my Etherstorm Cannonist, and I believe I was able to Spell Queller his uh, relevant spell and race him over the top of his Mirror Battlesphere, which he was able to hard cast off his Academy. Then game two, I, I bring in, like, Stony Silence, which he can't ever beat, and uh, Needle, and Nature's Claims, I think, is what I brought in against him. And that game actually went really, really long, and he eventually did get an Empty the Warrens, but the fact that Spellclare was a flyer was huge. I had, like, Pride Mage, Noble Hierarch, Noble Hierarch, Noble Hierarch. So my clock was, like, insane. It was basically a Mahamadi Jinn. And uh, I had I also had Edric on the ground, so he wasn't great, but he I, I drew a card which happened to be the card Time Walk, and then I had a Jace in play, so I Time Walked, Jace flip Jace Time Walk again to win over like 20 Goblin tokens because I had a Mahamodi Jin and two Time Walks. So actually, it was better. It was a Mahamodi Jin with Curiosity and um, two Time Walks. That deck so sounds pretty really fun. I think it's a good deck. I think the three Containment Priests main deck are his deck or my deck. Uh, my deck. Oh, my deck is fun to you. It has like 28 dudes. I don't even play Ponder. 
But it has all these unplayable vanishing Well, they're all they all serve a purpose. Like Bant has a bad matchup against tokens and gush, but if you main deck three Ytterstorm candidates, I feel like it pulls you pretty close. They you put them in a really weird spot. If a mentor deck can't remove the candidates, they have to play a naked mentor. And it essentially is Grey Ogre at that point if I have swords in my hand, right? Like it just puts them in an awful situation. They have to have actual mocks and then um, so they're gonna. I'm pressuring them with wastelands, and I have a canonist. They have to be in a position where they can cast a mentor, and then have the ability to play a mox, which they can of course play through the canonist. And even then, I can swords with trigger on the stack, and they're yeah, left with a bucks against shops or Eldrazi, but uh, could be good otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I, against those decks, sometimes you just want Grizzly Bear. You know, um, it, it'd be better off as Old Thalia in a lot of situations. But uh, but anyway, I think it's the only way to be, to play those colors and have a prayer against Mentor. You would agree, right? Like it's an awful matchup trying to fight Mentor with with sort just sorts to plowshares, um, yeah. and having no way to deal with an. I mean, literally, you're attacking with X twos, making the monk tokens uh, almost better than all of your guys in a fight. You know. Right. Mm-hmm. On our agenda, we've got uh, is Force of Will bad? Which I think you kind of brought it up earlier. It's a pretty good question. Well, like, if you if no one in the field is playing Tinker, right? I mean, Mentor is the new Tinker. Is it enough to be able to force will Mentor? Uh, I think that's a question. In a Bant shell, or you know, in this in this Sabath shell, uh, I feel like I'm a bad force of will deck. A, I don't have a lot of blue cards. I have some tools to fight it. Like if I go Noble Hire, go and misstep your misstep, the misstep my misstep, and resolve it, or play it off a cavern. Like, the Spell Queller is a great way to fight Mentor. Um, it gets around Pierce. Not Pierce. It gets around Flusterstorm. Um, like, the Canonist. I'd rather play a Canonist than have than Sandbag a Force of Will against Mentor. There's, there's not, there's, there's not going to be anyone but you playing a, a Bant Humans deck. So, I don't like, know. With the, with the new Sanctum guy. The new Sanctum? Oh, Prelate. Yeah. Chalice Man. Chalice, Chalice Man. Man. Yeah. What do you like? If you're on a creature strategy, like what do you, what do what, what do I want to force will? I mean, I don't need to force will oath. I have three containment priests. I don't. If no one's playing Tinker, <laughs> um, well, like you force will the storm guy if you're lucky enough to have force and he doesn't have duress. Eh, I'm playing three deck, three main deck canonists. Like go fuck yourself, storm deck. You literally have to turn one me. Plus, all those guys are playing defense grids. Force of force of will is actually an actively bad card against storm. Not bad, but it is not good. I mean. Defense yeah. poses it, and any Storm player worth his salt is going to duress you, or at least know the contents of your hand. Look, I mean, we used to live in a world where you didn't get free peak and build Storm and build Delve, but now you have free peak, build Delve. It, probe is like plus one mana, plus one card, free peak. Like yeah. the whole, you know, there, there's not a lot of bluffing that's going on. That whole that whole interaction has been so dumbed down by these fucking retarded Phyrexian mana cards. And like. <laughs> I'd rather just have a canonist, you know. I'm not trying to play the storm game. But anyway, when you look at this deck list, there's just nothing I really want to force a will. And even a tinker for what's the tinker bot of choice these days? Even if you do see tinker, it's often Sphinx because he can't. Uh, that's tough. I mean, no one plays tinker, so it's hard to say. Sphinx, Inkwell, White Steel, maybe. Inkwell's a problem, but everything else I can swords or race. Like I can't race Bite Steel, I guess, but. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I think force of will is at an all time low. I don't, I don't, I don't know that, um, 
that it's great. It's if it's not great versus storm combo, aggregate combo. Uh, uh, it's good against some fringe combo like Belcher, right? Yeah. Still, um, unless that deck's playing defense grid, but it's a fringe deck anyway. Good against Oath, maybe. Yeah, I mean, forcing Oath is is good if you're not playing Mandic Containment Priest. I mean, there was a time when Forcible was great against shops because you actually had to be able to deal with a turn one golem proactively to, to cast right. your first spell to find your next land. But uh, I feel now like... It, now it's just, uh, it's just a card that buys you tempo, but you have nothing to really capitalize if you get to use it. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Mike said earlier, you're kind of happy when you're... Thought not Seer gets forced, especially in game two. In game one, maybe they pitch a misstep or something that had no text anyway, but like in game two and three, if they're forcing your play and having to pitch their cantrip that forces them to stumble on mana that lets you wasteland them, you're probably winning anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would say Force of Will is bad, and I think Force of Will is about to get worse with the conspiracy. Yeah, uh, I'm curious to see how that elf dude, the bug elf dude does. I know you guys talked about it last podcast, so we won't go deep on it, but I wonder if this guy brings back bug hate bears, bug fish, something like that. Let me finish my story of Triumph. So, uh, then I play Oath again, and I literally just obliterate the guy's face. I have, the first game I have Raw Dog Containment Priest in response to his show and tell. Um, at which point, he actually shows Grizzlebrand to me, and then continues looking at the Containment Priest, and then I look at him, I look at his Grizzlebrand, and I look at the exile zone, and he just calmly moves it over to the exile. <laughs> I mean, like, I can't forget, and he can't forget, and it's competitive REL. So this Grizzle Brand is not going to be... I can't forget that I have a Containment Priest. I, I don't think he was actually trying to get me. I just think he was depressed that I had main deck Containment Priest. So we move on to the next game, and I get the combination of... Um, Mox, Cavern... Containment on human, Containment Priest, untap, windmill, meddling mage on abrupt decay, and he just puts his cards away. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's interesting. That's a microcosm of like where these oath decks are at. Like I think at this point, and I don't even want to get into conspiracy, but like I almost think that they have to start thinking about playing massacre. I know it goes against the whole concept of having the, the orchard tokens, but like like how can you actually not have an out to that? They should have Deluge, but maybe he didn't. I don't know why. Yeah, or Engineer Explosives or something, yeah. I know you've told me the story of when you were in, what, Annecy? You made someone Liliana Ultimate himself. What's a better feeling, making someone Liliana Ultimate themselves or Exile Grissobrand? Well, I lost the game where that man liliana himself... Uh, and then proceed to ask me to make the piles, which I politely declined, as that would have been uh, cheating. He then made the piles, but instead of making a pile of zero and everything, he instead chose a swamp and all the rest of his permanents. He did make the next level understanding uh, understanding Liliana play of choosing the, the smaller piles. So he sunk hole himself, vindicated his Liliana, then proceeded to beat me because I couldn't draw like any spells in my Moat Stompy deck. So, so I lost that game. So there's a bitter feeling. Making an uh, an oath of chimp player exile his Grizzlebrand is far more satisfying, especially when you win. And and just that poor man, yeah, that that poor man, that poor man is the same man I merit laged as well on Thursday. So <laughs> he was a nice guy and he had a bad run of it, but um, it's his fault for playing oath of chimps. So I slaughtered him as this deck should. And well, then 
Yeah. What's the total player pool? It, it sounds like both of you guys played the same opponents over and over. What would you say, Mike? I would say half the people played in in at least three of the events. I, I would say even more than that. It was probably mostly the same people. Okay. In most of the events. Probably 30 players, maybe? Yeah, it was probably a field of 30 players. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. So, but, I mean, you had a well-represented group of people who've top 16 champs, won the 100-person Gen Con the year before champs. Uh, you had John Grazina, a top 8 competitor. I would say most people there were pretty competent. I would say you had... the. It was probably a microcosm of the field of champs. Champs is probably 10% mules and 20% <clears throat> sort of know what they're doing and then the rest sort of scales up, right? Right. Um, and then I played Matt, and Matt's on shops, and um, he may or may not have just scooped me anyway, but I had a pretty good matchup against him with three pride mages. Uh, one thing we have noticed, and you probably noticed this in the white Aldrazi match versus shops, is that, like, New Thalia against shops is the fucking... If it is not removed, their deck is an actual piece of shit. Like, everything is blasted landscape that they have to put into play, and you win the wasteland battle, and they can just never cast anything, and their deck sucks. And they can't win, like... I, just, I find it hard to believe they can ever win with that card coming down, like, let's say, on turn two. I have Noble Hierarch, so I would land a Noble Hierarch. You played, what, 30 games? And did you ever lose after playing New Thalia on one? Turn one? Uh, well, it, that was a very rare occurrence, but no. Uh, New Thalia on turn one or turn two, it was just game over, pretty much. I, I had the same experience. Like, uh, Noble Hierarch, go... Then it forces them to revoke it, and they can't really do anything. Well, first of all, game one, all their thorns are almost textless. Um, and a shop deck in general will play a thorn in the blind, not knowing any different, right? So thorn go doesn't impede my noble hierarch go. They have to revoke it. Um, plus, I'm playing wastelands. But the times when I wheel back and have a turn two Thalia, uh, like through a thorn or some other textless piece of shit permanent... It's just impossible to win. And if you're also playing Wastelands, which I guess you are in White Eldrazi, and you are in these Bant, Stony Bant-type decks, you just crush them. All their all their lands come into play tapped. They have no real mana dorks. It is demoralizing to play a tapped Mishra's Workshop and just have it be hammered into dust. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a really good segue into uh, some of the results from the Waterbury, or the TMD-17. Yes, I have those up. I will... Do you have the link in front of you? I have. Uh, I will post yeah. it in the chat here. Yeah, we saw a lot of uh, of Thought Not Seer Ravager shops. And Mike and I have been discussing back and forth, like, why is there so much Ravager shops? Like, both of us think the deck is a little inconsistent. Why would you play it over Eldrazi? Let me give a really quick uh, answer, and then I'll let you guys discuss it, because I haven't played it that much. I think people lick their Eldrazi temples and their Thought Not Seers and their Mana Crypts. <laughs> <laughs> The number of games I I had to go turn one planes go at Gen Con was a little bit demoralizing. <laughs> oh, I thought this was a draft. Yeah. Planes <laughs> go. I, I, I think every postboard game on deck. <laughs> I think every postboard postboard game I played in the of the mirror, we both went turn one planes go, and we're like, are we really doing this? <laughs> I, I, I haven't played... I'm sort of a stubborn old man. I don't want to play Thought Not Seer in my shop deck. But in the times that I've uh, put it together and goldfished it or whatever or seen Matt play it or somebody else play it, just like, I do not get the hands. I don't see the hands where 
you have the mana crypt every time. If you read the winner's report, he had mana crypt uh, in like 75% of his openers, which probably makes that deck really good. Insane. Oh, yeah. It has to make that deck insane. If the deck can cast uh, Triskelion, Triskelion wrecks basically every deck in the format, but it's a deck that's playing Eldrazi Temple, uh, Mishra's Workshop, and a four-mana creature that doesn't get cast off Mishra's Workshop. It's like... And it's also playing Sphere of Resistance and a six-drop. Right. Right. So to, yeah, play, you, to even play Triskel, you, you need to, like, have two workshops. Or, like, take six. I mean, yeah. if I'm reading the winner's report. So his first round he has to play. His opener has Soul Ring, game one. His opener in game two uh, had Black Lotus um, and a colorless mana to cast Thought Knot. Round three, he had Mana Crypt in the opener. He wins. Uh, game two... He had Mana Crypt in his opener. He wins. Round four, he had Temple, Wasteland. Did he have a Thorn? Oh, no, he uh, he didn't have a Mana Crypt that role. Uh, I mean, he had Mana Crypt a lot, is my point, if you read his report. I'm not saying he's uh, in any way cheating or anything like that, but essentially the guy had to play. He had a buy round one, and then he, he double drew into the top eight. So in the intervening one, two, three, four, four rounds, he had Mana Crypt a lot. And that deck looks like a world beater when it has a Mana Crypt, or your Soul Ring somehow resolves game one, which mine never, I have never resolved the Soul Ring game one since Mental Missteps been printed. Yeah. Yeah, Mana Crypt definitely seems to have overtaken Black Lotus, especially in these Eldrazi decks. Would you play Mana Crypt in the Null Rod Eldrazi deck? I know Jason Jaco has hemmed back and forth on that, and uh, I probably would. I think yeah, I Mike, you have a three null rod list, don't you, with a bunch of uh, artifact accelerations? Yeah. So I actually, actually for Saturday, I ended up putting one null rod main. I actually, because I was so sick of going turn one planes go, I upped a main deck null rod and actually played a pedal uh, in the main as well to kind of just ha have a turn one lock piece or have turn one uh, Thalia more often. The solid combo right there. Yeah, bring in the Norad, bring in more artifact <laughs> mana. Well, you know me, I board. I have Soul Ring in my board of any shop deck I make. I just put, I just have 14-card sideboards for shops. I just refuse to play Soul Ring main deck because the one time it gets misstepped game one or I have to evaluate, in, uh, let's say, a mulligan to six that contains a Soul Ring in the blind and it gets misstepped, I'll literally go to jail from the rage that I've... I, I didn't play it at Champs last year. In, you didn't play it at all? Nowhere in the 75? Nowhere in the 75. No Soul Ring. It, <laughs> I did not miss it all day. Uh, yeah. Was it in the, the tournament report, the winner's report, that he talked about someone like accidentally leaving in a misstep and misstepping his Soul Ring post-board? Yeah, and getting him? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was at like some other event, I think. Uh, well, I mean, again, like Oath. If I'm Oath, I probably... I mean, I, leave, I might leave misstep in because Cage is pretty much the auto-include, right? Like... I don't think right. that's crazy. So, so back to this Waterbury um, mistake of just blurting out massive assumptions before I actually read the statistics, which makes me a moron. But uh, I actually went and, and read the breakdown, which was provided by Diofan on the Manadrain. So thank you, Diofan, for your hard work in procuring these results. And Shops was 19, which, which put them at 15% of the metagame. 15%. Would you expect... Yeah, so Shops had a lot more players than Eldrazi. Uh, mm. I know from talking with uh, Columbus locals, there's a lot of Columbus locals who 
uh, are just going to play unpowered Eldrazi, mm. which means these numbers are going to be pretty different because uh, Vintage Champs is a is a non-proxy event. Um, I would expect to see a lot of null rods in this field. I always think that about Dredge too. Like I always think about Dredge being like five six percent of a field if everyone could play proxy, and then uh, I always expect a little more of it when it's sanctioned because everyone has Dredge as a loner deck pretty much, right? Well, the big difference is now uh, the unpowered Eldrazi deck is better than Dredge. Five hundred dollars. Yeah. That's less than one bazaar. Hmm. Well, I own nine bazaars. Well, yeah, but you're also not playing Dredge. No, but I I would always loan it out. But now I can build Dredge and Dragon and have an extra bazaar to crop rotation for. Mike, do you own bazaars? Seems yeah, like. I got a, I got a place that I've never used them. <laughs> <laughs> I've literally only used bazaars in testing. Yeah. Um. I have never played Vintage Dredge at a sanctioned event, I don't think. I've had that deck together in sleeves. Like, I've had the same sleeves on it for, like, a year and a half. I just loan it out pretty much exclusively. I've had to, like, steal the blood gas out of it for other decks. But I think that's about it. Yeah, same here. Well, it's on the subject of champs, trying to project this field onto champs, a lot of things will be different. Proxy, non-proxy. We're going to get Conspiracy. Uh, we're going to get... We will get one ban in restricted list, or no? Uh, when does, yeah, we'll, uh, get, we'll get Kaladesh. Kaladesh. Okay, so we'll get an entire big big set and a ban in restricted list. So maybe it's hard to predict what's going to happen with these new cards, and then you throw on top of that the fact that it'll be sanctioned, and then finally you just put it in a different area of the country. And then lastly, you put it on the Friday, and I, I wonder how that's going to impact the total turnout this year. Yeah, that's well, a really good point. Isn't also the European one like the week before or something like that? It is. So our German comrades, uh, the Tusk, Tusk Germany branch, uh, with Tomas and Richard, will be probably not in attendance, which makes me very sad. But who's going to get degenerately drunk at the uh, old school tournament? I'm fairly oh. certain Zach will handle that. You, uh, <laughs> Brian. Uh, I will be. I will be Michael, partaking yeah. in the old school event this year. So. Old school is on Wednesday, or Thursday. Thursday. Man, that's that's, that's rough justice. Favorite tournament I've ever played in. I've I've won several hundred person events. Old school definitely takes the cake. I mean, the the issue though is like, man, I want to actually play Friday morning. Now, I have a buy, so I'll be able to get some coffee and be sitting pretty. Oh, back to my tournament. Sorry, we're chopping up here. So I I beat Matt. He's on shops. I think he probably was, was going to scoop me anyway because he he can't go to champs this year. And then I play oath again in the fifth round and. Uh, I mean, it's basically just like bringing a pair of chopsticks to a fucking, you know, sword fight. I just annihilate Oath with this deck. So I, I kind of had a free roll. I guessed right and uh, played against Oath thrice in a five-round tournament, and now I have a bye. You're, you, did you go deep on Friday, Mike? I can't remember. You you won your first couple, or was it Friday miserable? Uh, or sorry, Saturday miserable. Um, my Saturday was 0-2. 0-2, oh, that's, right. that's right. Yeah, so I just played... Against Shops, um, he turn one Thought not near me because he won the die roll. If I won the die roll, I would have had turn one Thorn and Nuthalia. And he would have only he only had Tolarian Academy that game, so it just would have been game over. Um, and then I forget what happened in the other game. And then I played against John Grazina again, and he vintage me. 
So now you've, you've got basically three tournaments worth of white Eldrazi in. What, what is your assessment of that deck? And if you had to play champs tomorrow, would you pick it up again or no? Are you done with it? I still think it's pretty well off. It has some consistency problems, but I think that Shops does as well. So I think I would probably be tempted to play it over Shops because I think Shops has more of a target on its back right now, given like the results from the Waterbury and stuff like that. Right. Um, and it just seems like a better deck on the face of it. Playing, you get better uh, hate against your bad matchups main deck. Right. I think Displacer is insane against the format. Yeah. You, you get better mana, really, across the board, right? You actually have basic lands. You could win a new Thalia fight because you might have the card planes. Yeah. Right. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm a devoted blue mage, but I, I think I'm playing Eldrazi for champs. I wouldn't make any sweeping observations about what you're going to play for champs. I mean, this next set is going to be an f- absolute beating on multiple fronts. Mm-hmm. And then and then Kaladesh is supposed to be steampunk, so... Right. Hey, Kaladesh was the world where we got Hangerback Walker from, so we could see more Thopter action. Yeah, I mean, they could print uh, a Brass Claw Orc for three mana that's also a Trinisphere, and that would put shops right back into contention. Sure. Also, the new uh, Elf Dude plus Hydra plus Tarmogoyf seems pretty well off. I think the card Tarmogoyf, Mike and I talked about this at Gen Con, I think the card Tarmogoyf... Is that better? You are an ape. All right, that worked. Yeah. Is this is this still okay? Yeah, you're the ape. You're the only ape without a headset. You have a real Sorry. job, a brand new condo, you have a, a sizable magic collection, but you don't have a fucking headset. I have a $300 pair of headphones at work with a mic. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, yeah, uh, so we did have an agenda. So so now our Gen Con story comes to a close. I guess we can talk a little bit about... Um, uh, well, you didn't really go... Biz- you have all your cards, don't you? And you're pretty much just the the MKM funnel now, right, Mike? Yes. I mean, you didn't really have to get anything in the dealer room. Yeah. That's I was cool. upgrading a lot of my power to beta. That's what I did. Well, that's excellent. <laughs> did you did you complete that mission? I got three of the pieces. I upgraded Time Walk um, and Mox Jet, and I just bought a good price Sapphire on Sunday because it was in the 10% off uh, bin because it was Saturday. Or Sunday, because it was Sunday. Mike and, I, Mike and I went to like a shitty local tournament probably, gosh, it must have been an hour out of Seattle, and he, he was like eyeballing this, this beta recall, asked me if I should buy it. I said no, because Mike just bought a place too, and he's, uh, you know, yeah, you get a bit of furniture for his place. I, I, I still don't have living room furniture, but I'm upgrading power first. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I took a and, uh, shit, uh, fucking shit on the dealer room. I bought an extra set of Moxes and a Lotus, like three Valks, two Cs, uh, Alpha Taiga, because fuck it, uh, Alpha Tundra, Alpha Trop. Um, so I've got 40... I've got the 40 beta duels reunited again. Well, some of them are Alpha, which I guess is kind of weak, but getting Alpha Trops is actually kind of fun because they're... They're uh, misprints, and uh, yeah. that makes them Mis- cool. That's right. Um, so, anyway, I, yeah, I went nuts in the dealer. I still think Gen Con as a whole, if you have cash on Sunday, is one of the best places in the world to buy high-end stuff. It's These poor dealers, I think they pay like 6000 for the smallest booth. 
So yeah, something like that. I because uh, the people I went with actually had a booth there, so I think that's roughly what they paid. So when you pay six k for your booth and your travel expenses on top of that, plus uh, you just spend money at Gen Con going out dining, unless you're a fucking pauper. Um, you know, you, you've got to be like, by Sunday afternoon, you have to be cash poor and wanting to just sell whatever the fuck you brought. So, I got some pretty good deals, like four, five, six. I paid for emerald, pearl, jet, respectively. Um, I got the racing stripe ruby that I so long desired for five hundred. I got a twenty-two hundred dollar unlimited lotus. No, th- thirty-two. What's the cheapest lotus? It was three thousand, wasn't it? Man, I just spent money. I don't even care what I spent. <laughs> I think it was thirty-two hundred or whatever. Yeah, it was a thirty-two hundred dollar Lotus. Whatever the God damn Sean, why didn't you just buy my power? I feel so naked without my extra set of power, and I could have just I had it. Yeah. Well, but I gave it to, uh, to Rosenthal over in New York, well, Pennsylvania, some shithole. Yeah, you haven't casted since we went to Eternal Extravaganza, and just all of us just fucking planted our faces right in the fucking dirt. Eternal Extravaganza was. Probably the worst tournament I've ever flown out to. <laughs> it was like a miserable venue. It was an hour outside of any airport that was that was accessible from Seattle. Uh, the prize payout was like just straight up not worth it. Our our friend Russell Martin, he has like this grinder thing going on with airlines. So like he just travels just to travel. And so he told me, "Hey, I've got a good deal on an airline flight. Do you want to go play some vintage?" And uh, that was enough to sell me, but it shouldn't have been. Did we even eat a good meal? Where do we eat there? We were, like, slumming around Allentown. You thought we were going to get food poisoning at the bar we went to. Oh, that place was a fucking hellhole. I mean, literally, <laughs> we went to this bar. Greg, Greg will eat off the floor of a fucking, you know, a food truck. We, this is our last day? Are we on the, we're on the way to the airport. We yes. just scrubbed out. I want to die. I've rebooked my flight to be like way earlier so I can just leave the impoverished hellhole that is Allentown where you know where hope goes to fucking die. And uh, Greg's like, we can eat here. And it is literally this shoeless man manning the bar in the entire restaurant. And there's like a deep fryer in the back where Quato is trying to fucking start the reactor. <laughs> and like... He probably had three-day-old grease stains on his shirt. Hadn't taken a bath since then, but but the beer list was pretty good. There was like an entire <laughs> an entire fucking softball team up at the bar, just you know waiting to die or whatever, drinking on a Sunday afternoon, drinking their lives away. Yeah, and I so, chose so, so the typical Midwest experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. And then and then you have on top of that you have Russ telling us how you grew up there and how it, in fact, is the place where hope goes to die and that, you know, it's as close to white slavery as this country has ever come and all this other depressing shit. So I just get up and leave and go to the Dunkin' Donuts next door with Sean. We didn't have one good meal in Allentown. Didn't we eat somewhere nice or did I go by myself? Uh, there was a pizza place that was okay. Fuck me. I don't think you came though. My flight was late the first night, and so therefore I couldn't eat a nice meal. That, that was the start of the fucking misery. Then Legacy was miserable, because Legacy is miserable, and I beat Burn, but the cameras weren't working, so I didn't even get the glory of my completely pimp John Deck being on camera because I couldn't get the stream going as I raped Burn. You fucking donkey dunked the Legacy. I don't know. What the fuck are you playing, Miracles, you chimp? 
Yeah, I was playing Miracles, and I lost to Charlotte's agent and then lost to Brian Brondewin. Been in a Miracles chat for a few weeks uh, before that tournament. So, like, we both knew almost exactly what we are playing. And uh, made a couple of missteps, and he capitalized. And it was 96 degrees with, like, 93% humidity in an iron box. Yeah, with no reception. Yes, with no reception. We were all playing like it was 1994, no access to the internet. So that was miserable. Oh, you fucking punted against that bug guy, didn't you, you fucking asshole? I can't remember. I chastised you for something. Against that Shardless uh, champ. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the match that I lost against Shardless. It, it was bad because... I punted against a guy with a batter skull, and then I come over to watch you play, and then, like, you, like we weren't losing because... We were just losing because we were playing badly. And it was like, I knew it. I immediately knew it. You knew it. It's just, that's, like, one of the worst ways to lose, is, like, oh, oh yeah. you know? And then Vintage, I lost because I communicated poorly with my opponent, and he would go on to f get to the finals, I believe, with his Null Rattle Drazi deck. And that was miserable. I was just tired. It was a million degrees. And then I failed. I was playing to... vintage as well. And uh, I drew a lot of terminuses, not in the draw step. Uh, <laughs> very much. It was pretty bad. You you confirmed your your you confirmed your understanding that Brainstorm is the card that holds the miracle deck together. Merchant Scroll and Mystical Tutor not good enough. <laughs> yeah, that was fucking dumb to play that deck. At least I played a good deck and punted. You just played a bad deck in Vintage. Anyway, that was miserable. We don't want to relive it. I may yeah. cut the entire section about Eternal Extravaganza out of this podcast. I guess, uh, yeah, anyway. Um, oh, yeah, you, you did. Uh, you, can, uh, you can digress into your legacy. You played a Legacy 1K recently in Seattle. Is that the Legacy Preservation Series? Yeah, which is pretty funny because it has the same initials as the Lady Planeswalker Society. So when they first announced this tournament series, everyone was like, LPS, that's already taken. I, uh, uh, I in fact, looked up the Ladies Planeswalker Society on the Googles because they sponsor one of the local EDH leagues. And I'll, uh, I'll refrain from saying anything about them on the internet because they <laughs> certainly come back to me with great rage and furious anger. Despite the fact that they're not supposed to support bullying, they will probably bully me into submission, so I'll just shut up. You have a lot of male privilege, according to them. It's fine. I'm privileged. <laughs> yeah, so I played in this this 1K uh, last weekend. I played a pretty terrible-looking brew. It was like Omniscience and Miracles had a love child and probably like an in vitro baby. I don't know. It was came a out with twin. Uh, but I ended up going to the semis with it, so scoreboard... I think it, in a meta full of death and taxes, uh, having the omniscience combo is probably better than uh, than just being basically soft to all their interaction, like Miracles is. Did you play 4 Ponder, 4 Brainstorm, and 4 Force Will? Yeah, of course, I'm not an idiot. Uh, <laughs> the back of my shirt says Ponder, for a reason. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, did you play? Dance 3 predicts 4 Sensei stops. You are the innovator. Uh, how about... <laughs> I can't imagine taking Legacy seriously right now, but um, I guess I guess it's interesting. I, I have beta duels that I hadn't played before, so I played Legacy last weekend, but we had a local monthly. I played Grixis Landstill, or uh, Bolas Landstill, 
in an attempt to kill all the Death and Taxes decks that I thought would be there, despite having three Massacre in my sideboard, uh, I still managed to lose to that deck, so fuck me. Yeah, Death and Taxes is miserable, and it's poised to be even better. I, th- I think Death and Taxes is the least fun deck to play against in Legacy. Really? Full stop. Yes, because its entire thing is about beating you with dudes that are so de- so demoralizing to lose to, uh, and not letting you play any spells. That's better than, or that's worse than playing against uh, Counterbalance Lock. Oh yeah, because at least Counterbalance Lock is spells. So like, you know, your opponent is at least playing good cards. Death and Taxes doesn't play good cards. It's all yeah. crap. Plays Wasteland. Yeah, Rashad no, Point. That's a good card. Are bad. Well, I will say this about that deck: is the people who are "quote unquote" experts with it simply lick their fucking vials to their fucking Rashadden ports because that deck, when it when it doesn't have the turn one vial, it is such a different animal. I mean, you can actually attack their mana because they have to, you know, tap their mana to do stuff. You can actually play your spells because they don't just have a free port every turn. And like, I watch the deck play out a billion times over the last four or five years, and the true masters of that deck just always have the Vile. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll publish my Understanding Aether Vile first edition uh, <laughs> e- ebook soon, but the first chapter is something like always have it in your opening hand. Yeah, it's pretty good advice. That's good rule. <laughs> I mean, you get that kind of uh, constructive advice on playing Legacy on the Dust Talk podcast. <laughs> um, but I, I like... We we talked a little bit about legacy. I don't want to talk too much unless you have some uh, some more interesting thing to say other than you can't trip the lot and cast force of will and resolve show and tell. Oh, I do have one interesting thing to say. So Randy Bueller, Hall of Famer, uh, has played a total of two legacy tournaments in his life. In his life, the second one was this one K. He picked up Miracles Cold, played it to the finals, and then twat after the event. Why didn't anyone tell me that Miracles is so good? All I can hope for is that he gets it banned. Well, he got Golem banned. Uh, you could hope and that... Chalice. Got right. Chalice. Ch- well, yeah, sorry. He got Golem restricted. Probably got Chalice restricted. Uh, Chalice, I, I could get behind the Chalice restriction, but certainly uh, the on-camera coverage uh, bemoaning the presence of Chalice of the Void despite the Oath deck that won again... Uh, yeah, well, well, uh, I mean, if they didn't ban anything in Miracles this go-around, what makes you th- think there's enough legacy being played that something in it's going to get banned prior to Kaladesh? Oh, I'm almost 100% sure that nothing in Miracles will get banned. I think they printed Sanctum Prelate uh, almost entirely to hurt Miracles. Or just or hurt the blue, blue shell, basically. It just crushes the whole cantrip. Concept. Yeah, right. Right. But Miracles is the best blue shell right now, so... Hurt, hurting the blue shell hurts Miracles. The best shell is Magic Shell. Are you familiar? Like, the chocolate crap that is yeah. made of, like... Made but of har- weird oils and hardens? Yeah. yeah, it hardens when it hits your ice cream. What a deal. Don't read the ingredients list. I love that when, it, when I was a kid, until I did it. Yeah, there's probably a polyp growing in your colon right now. That's just <laughs> all it was was just feeding off magic shell from when you were a child. We, we've had an explosion of Aluren uh, locally. Aluren oh, yeah. is something like 
21 and 2 in matches in the last two Legacy Preservation Series events? Across four players. 21 and 2? That's a like nine that's an absurd winning percentage. It's won the last two events. Why do you think it's well positioned against Miracles? I mean, I guess it has Decay. It has uh It has the the shardless plan but also can combo off um out of nowhere. Right. Yeah, Miracles um, wants to cut their force of wills, but they can't really against Alurn. There's a lot of reasons it's tough. For a while, it was being held in check by Storm and Omni. Well, maybe not Omni, because Shondell's yeah, yeah, pretty awkward. Pretty bad. Blood Moon? Blood Moon fucking hammers Alurn savagely. Yeah. Yes. Are the, uh, the internet still playing Blood Moon in its Miracles lists, or no? Yep, up to two now. Wow. Color me interested. Well, uh, Lauren's about to get cheaper, presumably. Presuming this guy is 30 bucks or something, right? Yeah, true. There's also cool builds you can do. Uh, well, the, the red is providing dick, honestly, to Miracles. Like, right. Not Miracles, sorry. Lauren. I mean, the, the white is a far better cyborg color for Lauren. You just didn't want to play yeah. five-color Lauren before. The, the only weird um, thing is, uh, like, Dread of, Dread of Night will, will hurt you much more with a new white recruiter. But That is true. Um, literally stopping only that and only that, probably. I mean, your sideboard, right. you get Priest, you get more uh, Wars off Pawn, if you get, like, good sideboard cards, which I'm trying to think of... I mean, were there even any red? Maybe a Gentleman's Ancient Grudge or something. Like, what are the... The there red... Was, there was, okay, yeah, there was just nothing, right? No. Yeah. Yeah, white. Yeah, the, the white is good, for sure. Uh, well, you have to get rid of Dreamstalker. You can, he has too much right. ass. Right. So we actually saw in a Lauren mirror uh, on on the Card King stream, what yesterday? Right. And uh, Quickling is a pretty good replacement for Dreamstalker, and it's pretty good in the mirror, just by being a two-two flyer. With uh, flash. With flash. Yes, Quickling is also good. I, I mean, I would probably diversify my. If I couldn't play Dreamstalker, which you can argue in a vacuum is the best thing because it has copious ass, doesn't target, um, it just kind of happens on resolution, right? That's probably why it's considered the best. Well, yeah. It's also just tradition. Well, I think Quickling, I mean, Quickling doesn't, doesn't target, target either. either. Yeah, Quickling doesn't target either. Yeah. But I mean, Dreamstalker can actually return a Lauren. Right. Yeah, and it can also return a land, which is right. pretty relevant. Right, right, right. Um, Manowar was the traditional, traditional one, and that can actually work out in your favor if you're playing against Sneaky Chimp, because it actually has text. Yeah, but no one's going to play Mana War. No. You don't think so? You wouldn't play, like, one Mana War, one Quickling, or one Mana War, one Arctic Merfolk, or, you know what I mean, like, just diversify them? No, because the, the way you combo off, uh, if you have any effects that targets, it turns it into a single point of failure. Sure, but I guess I'm just saying it's a deck that will never target shit. Like Sneak and Show, the Man of War has text if you don't have a learn. Uh, I don't think it's worth it. Well, well, I guess time will tell since Seattle is the hub of learn technology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's probably true. Mm. That deck plays a lot of valuable lands. I could put together like a nice three beta underground C Alluren deck, and I have four double signed Korean Allurens. Do you own Alluren? That card went up to like a billion dollars, right? When the recruiter got spoiled. spoiled. My German yeah. Alluren just arrived yesterday. That was a snap order. 
It was, I I ordered up before the spoiler, so I was I was already planning on Germanizing Aluren, and I just got lucky. I have the awkward I, two Chinese, two Korean. So I have not sure two, what's going on that. I have two extra signed Chinese Alurans. I think they're triple signed. So what? I get to well, play you, with four deck and then have one on my sideboard so that I can always put the Korean one on top. I mean, you can like trade the Korean ones and have a play set of Chinese, or find two more Korean ones and actually get the job done. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Well, anyway, so that's uh, legacy shit. Um, what else did we have on our agenda? Uh, yeah, that was the results of the, the water. But I guess we really didn't dig that deep. Um, and we dig a little okay. bit. I mentioned one more thing from the 1K. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I got the, the best comments, I think, in the stream for this. Uh, I called my deck Miracle of Science. And in the, the chat, someone says, Man, Legacy is miserable now. Jesus. Miracles and show-and-tell in the same deck. <laughs> yeah, that's it's, fucking it's like, miserable. It's like the, the worst miserable parts of Legacy jammed together. No wonder I mean, you want it. It was just pure hatred and pure miserable oh, misery. Oh, yeah. You have more threes to reveal the counterbalance to beat the other show and tell decks because you just reveal show and tell and they get confused. It's not just entreat the angels anymore. That was probably the only show and tell deck in the field. What a world you live in! It's great. I love Seattle. I thought Seattle was all tryhards. Yeah, and show and tell is shitty. Like, is it? It's just really consistent. What do all the Asian kids play who are trying the hardest? Miracles. Delver. Oh, in the blind, what do you put a skinny looking Asian kid on at a big tournament? Legacy. Delver. <laughs> Is that or D&T? Is Delver or D&T? Oh, yeah. Huh. I mean, I normally put any Asian kid on a blue deck, but I don't I don't know that I'd peg him on D&T. Uh, we have a lot of D&T players over here. Oh, fair enough. That's probably why we don't have any sneak and show players. Yeah. I mean, as a whole, any cantrip deck in the Atlanta area is pretty much immediately hated out because there's anywhere between 16 and 24 chalices at, like, any event that's... Eight person or greater. Oh, I guess we can talk about the Tusk Invitational. So yeah, you're you're the only Tusk not actually going to the Tusk Invitational. How does that make you feel? <sighs> it makes me feel like my stomach will be empty, and my vintage cards won't get played. Yeah, yeah. I'm not actually going to play in the Legacy portion. I'm going to help manage the event because I have a suspicion that it's going to get out of hand. So the Tusk Invitational is a 32 person invite only tournament happening on September 17th in Atlanta at the Rib Ranch Barbecue. I've rented out the entire banquet room. And uh, it's going to be split format. We're going to do Legacy in the, in the morning. Then we're going to break for a barbecue, basically, buffet for an hour. Then we're going to finish up Legacy, and at about 7, we're going to start Vintage and run that until midnight or until we all end up in jail. And uh, it's unsanctioned, uh, and there's going to be booze, and we have a TV that will be running like a five-movie loop of Commando, Total Recall, The Terminator, Big Trouble in Little China, and uh, I Come in Peace, I think will probably be the, the follow-up one. So it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Uh, all Tusks. It was invite only, and we opened it up to the Atlanta Magic scene. Uh, I probably gave out 50 invites, and it was like first come first. Well, that's not true. The Tusks, of course, were allowed to pre- reserve their seat, 
and then the remaining 17 seats went out to about 25, 30 people, and they were snapped up in like 10 minutes. So uh, yeah. I was thinking about like figuring out a vacation for the week and going home. I just didn't make it happen. Well, maybe you can make the next one or host a Tuscotational out in Seattle and get us to all come out there and visit you. Yeah, right. With the number of poppers in Tusk. That is true. Uh, or just like hermits who don't like want to get on a plane and go anywhere anyway. Yeah. Like, Although Mike could fly out Thor to manage the meat. Oh, yeah. Mike, you have a smoker now in your new ranch, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Been cooking some barbecue lately. What uh, what kind of meats have you tried? Have you have you done everything? The beef, pork, chicken. I've done mainly beef because uh, my girlfriend doesn't like pork that much. So I have I haven't. I would feel too gluttonous to eat an entire pulled pork, like four pounds of pork, by myself. And Greg has. I haven't done it yet, so that Greg can come out and taste my meat. Yeah, but I've Greg. done I've done brisket. <laughs> Yeah, brisket is awesome. It's um, a little more finicky. It doesn't have quite as much fat as pork, so you have to you have to watch it a little more, right? Are you, do you baste or do you just let it ride? I just let it ride. It actually turned out really good um, the last time I did it. It was you know, good smoke smoke rings and kind of fall apart. It, was, yeah. it actually came out really good. I mean, I stick to pork mostly to stick it to Abrahamic religions, but I do love a good brisket as well. Um, but... Like a pork shoulder, twelve hours. It's hard to it's hard to beat a well done pork shoulder. It's right. uh, just so fatty and just delicious. And you get the Honestly, fat back. Barbecue. barbecue done properly just beats every other food group. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. it's amazing. Um, speaking of food, do, so did you eat anywhere decent at Gen Con? I, I hit. I try to hit Harry and Izzy's at least once, twice. I got their slab bacon appetizer, which is. Um, Essentially, like six to eight strips of slab bacon, maple bacon, and they serve it with syrup and pancakes, like little pancakes to eat it with. Wow. Where is yeah. that place? I know I've never been there. So it's attached to St. Elmo's, which is like the go-to place with the shrimp yeah. cocktail and all the bullshit. But I believe they share a kitchen with Harry and Izzy's, so you can essentially order everything that's on the menu of St. Elmo's without the... You know, St. Elmo's is kind of a white cloth type experience, which at Gen Con I'm not really usually dressed for, smell for, or <laughs> in the mood for, you know, so. Yeah. Um, I mean, I the only big one is I did Fogo with the group I went with. Um, with Indy Fogo also. Hmm? The Indianapolis Fogo is pretty solid. Yeah, that that's good. I mean, the problem with the vintage events is that the Thursday and Saturday yeah. ones started at 7, so I kind of was, like, scrambling for a quick dinner beforehand. Yeah, we got hammered at this uh, hideaway pizza bar that's located in an alley in Indianapolis that I know whose kitchen stays open late. So that's pretty much where we went on the nights when we actually played vintage. We yeah. also ate at this shitty like Chipotle noodle place, I guess, that was near the Steak and Shake because I refused to eat Steak and Shake. And that place was like the ninth, <laughs> the ninth level of fucking hell because none of the employees wanted to be there. They stayed oh. open late for Gen Con. There was no ice in the ice machine. They basically told me to fuck off when I asked for ice for my $4 drink. And um, I feel like I'm outside the range where the police are going to come and get me, so I'll admit it. I got so pissed at them, I took an entire bottle of sriracha and I sprayed it on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> like the, in front of them? 
Yeah, I mean, it's childish, but I was just in such a blind rage that the employees refused to actually help me or give me what I paid for, and I was going to put the sriracha on my suboptimal noodles that they served me that had nothing to do with Asia, and instead I wrote my name on the floor. And So to the person who had to clean all that up, fuck you. <laughs> Should have just given me some ice. All right, well, that about wraps it up. Um, I guess uh, we we will have we'll plan to do another vintage episode maybe after this uh, this next set lands and then we'll have a really good idea of maybe what champs will look like. All of us will be at champs, right? Uh, all three of us. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'll be awesome. And um, Mike, Greg, I'm sending you. Uh, Mike, you are uh, an ally of the Tusk, and uh, okay. I got a I got a greedy Mike shirt made in the list this last round, so I'll send one back. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. And uh, Greg, I have a sh shirt for you as well. And this this new gray tusk shirt looks pretty sick. So uh, I'll, I'll send one back. I'll send those back with Casey. Huh? What does it say? Your shirt says. I don't. It doesn't say hot Carl because I think we've we've pushed that as far as it could go. Have you? So have you ever actually gotten called out for your hot Carl shirt? Or no, it's never been an issue. No, I'm disappointed. I, I've had exactly one person. Uh, like, even comment on it. I thought for and sure that that was going to be unwearable. Yeah, I thought I was going to get DQ'd in the first tournament I wore. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a line of 50%. Are people just unaware of, you know, what a hot Carl is? I don't really want to get into it on this podcast. You know, I, I think if you're a listener and you know what it is, then you, you just know what it is, but... So when I went to uh, when I went to get my shirt for GP Atlanta, and gosh, it must have been 2012 or so, the person who was uh, who was taking up the information to like put on the shirts the next day, they were gonna like spend all night sponging on these like these shirts. Right. She said, "No, you can't do it. It's a disgusting sex act." <laughs> like. And you were denied. Wow. You denied hard. Are your your shirt this time is your a correctly spelled internet handle. Uh, oh really? Phase on mute. I thought actually about spelling it like you had it misspelled in the source. I was just gonna make it phase on muon. <laughs> <laughs> but Did you I hear the bad decks player asked a mod to rename his his source handle after seeing that uh that mine was corrected to the correct thing. So now he's bad decks palier. That that man is on that man may have the record on the source for being quickest onto my ignore list from time to <laughs> register. The source, reading the source for me now is literally 75 to 25% ratio. It's just, it, it's literally just, a, especially the ban restricted thread, it is actually just 90% ignore list and like 10% idiots that I should ignore. Yeah. I don't even go on anymore. It's sad that there is no valuable information, but the deck threads are just polluted with people who don't know how to play Magic, or they just don't even want to take the time to actually look up what cards do. And then the only thing I used to go on there for was the pimp thread, but now it's just like, you post anything, it doesn't matter what it is, and you just get shat on. Like, it can be just beta duels, and oh, I can post 80 beta duels, and somebody will just shit on me and tell me that they're not mint. And meanwhile, they have no fucking cards. Like, guy comes on, he's like, oh, your Grim Tutors look like shit. And I'm like, post your Grim Tutors. And he's like, well, of course he doesn't have any because he's a fucking pauper. And yet he's crapping on this poor guy who got his Grim Tutor altered or whatever. So, yeah, it's a shit show. 
Anyway, all right, thanks for coming on, and uh, like I said, we'll try to get another cast together that'll be more vintage-focused before the next, or sorry, after uh, Bangladesh releases, and... Uh, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, Sean. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right, guys, take care. You too.